0: Do you know how to drive stick? Well, if you don't, you can't drive these missile trucks and win the war for Ukraine. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. Let's do an update on the Russia-Ukraine war, because stuff has changed recently, maybe in the last five days, last week. So, I think maybe three days ago, four days ago, um, the president of Ukraine came out and said that Russia has taken over 20% of Ukraine. And you can't really trust the information from either side. You know, they, whatever, they, they, both sides minimize their losses and overestimate, inflate the losses of their enemies, stuff like that. So, you know, when the Ukrainian guy says that Russia's winning, uh, I think, you know, that's the kind of thing you can believe. And that's basically what he said. He's like, they took over 20% and they got a bunch of important stuff. And so Russia is currently trying to take over the Donbass uh, the top of that, you know, that's the that's the part in the east. The eastern part of Ukraine is the Donbass. Uh, the northern part of the Donbass is Luhansk. The southern part is Donetsk. And then to the south of both of those things is Crimea. But Russia has controlled Crimea and there's no real war there. So we're just going to talk about the two parts of the Donbass. I'm just going you know, to, you know, the names, who cares. I'm just going to call them the top part and the bottom part. So apparently the hardest part of a war is urban warfare and you can kind of imagine you know like you're a soldier with a ar-15 nope they got ak's anyways you're a soldier with an ak and you're walking into a city i mean there could be someone behind a window who just pops out and snipers your ass or whatever for whatever reason cities are the hardest part you know it's easy to take over a, a field of nothing it's hard to take over a city and so the bottom part of what russia wants the biggest city there is Mariupol, and it was in the news, you, you know, if you follow this at all, you probably heard about it, but anyways, Russia leveled it, and it took them maybe a month. Yeah, currently we're in the, it's been, it's been a hundred days, it's not probably 103 days or something of war at this point, so kind of break that down into first month, second month, third month, so the, the second month and into the third month, Russia was destroying Mariupol, the big city of the southern part the bottom half, and then when they were able to finally level that city and not have to really fight over it anymore because the whole thing was flattened, then they went into the top chunk, and the biggest city there is called Severodonetsk. And basically, just like, so when, 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 when Russia, Russia was considered to basically own the bottom half when they took out the biggest city, Mariupol, well, they're going to be considered to take over the top half when they take over the biggest city there, which is Severodonetsk. And they pretty much achieved that a few days ago. Now, we don't know exactly what happens after that, because Ukraine's best army is the army that's fighting Russia in Severodonetsk. Like, Russia and Ukraine have been fighting in that area, in the Donbass, for, I guess, since 2014. So, you know, any soldier that Ukraine had... For the past, whatever, yeah, eight years. For the past eight years, they've been over in the Donbass fighting. That's where you send a soldier to fight. And so those soldiers have, like, up to eight years experience fighting. And you can imagine, so, you know, the soldiers have been there for eight years. Also, you know, the captains, the lieutenants, the sergeants, the generals, the whatever. Like, anyone who has any clue about how to fight comes from that area because that's where the fighting is. And then, you know, a hundred days ago, Russia invaded... And then you know, every man in in Ukraine or something was thrown into the army. But basically, they you know they have a, they have a hundred days experience, which is not really enough uh, experience to make you a good soldier. So the next thing going forward is is Russia going to be able to? They want they want to they want to uh, circle around. They want to encircle all the good soldiers, all the experienced soldiers who they've been fighting in severed nets. And if they can you know if they can, if they can cut them off from the rest of Ukraine. And I guess keep shelling them and then starving them until they surrender. And then, you know, like think Russia puts them in prisoner of war camps or whatever. Then that's going to be basically all the good soldiers that Ukraine has. So that's the thing to watch for. And obviously no one knows what's going to happen, but it looks like basically Russia is very close to owning all the, whatever, kind of all the parts that they wanted. I and mean, they also wanted to just take over the entire country of Ukraine and put in some guy that they liked as president. But, if they can't do that, they just want to own, whatever, the eastern part of Ukraine. And that's also a part where a lot of Russians live, so... Anyways. Alright, so that's the update. Uh, Let's go a little bit more just... Stuff I've learned in general. So, Crimea... Crimea is like a... It's basically an island, although it has a little, little thing of land that connects it to the mainland. And that's where Russian, rich Russian people, you know, like, I don't know, KGB or whatever, that's where they vacation. Like, you know, for the past 70 years, rich Russians would vacation in Crimea. It's basically like an island, like a tropical island, at least as far as Russia goes. You know, it's an island not completely covered in snow. And the breakup of the Soviet Union, Crimea was given to Ukraine. But I think people in Russia, you know, all the, all the high up people in Russia, they spent their childhoods on Crimea, you know, going to the beach, chasing the muff around, and so they were pissed, pissed off. Like, you know, you can't, you can't take away my. You know, it's like Florida. It's like, it's like Russia's Florida, and you gave Florida to Cuba or something. And, anyways, Russia always wanted Crimea back, and so they took it back in 2014. And then Ukraine has the water, water. You know, the, the, the it's a, it's like a desert, and it gets its water uh, through a canal, which comes from the Ukraine River. And so Ukraine is like, okay, you can take over Crimea, but we're going to cut off your water and so you're just going to be the owner of a shitty desert. And that's how that's how things have been for a long time. And I already talked about that, but here's the interesting, interesting thing I didn't know. So the Donbass, right? This is the other this is the eastern part of Ukraine, the other I was just talking about, the part that Russia wants. It also gets its water from like the same river in Ukraine, or at least a river in Ukraine. And so when Whatever, the Donbass, you know, they're kind of, you know, it's kind of Russia been fighting Ukraine. It's kind of like a civil war, separatist, terrorist, I don't know what. But anyways, when that thing started in 14, Ukraine cut off water to them too. They cut off trade. They cut off everything. They cut off absolutely everything. Like, you know, if you lived in the Donbass and you worked in a steel mill and you made steel bars and you... Sold them to people in Ukraine. Well, you lost your job because Ukraine is not trading with anyone, the Donbass. And you probably needed some water to run your steel mill. You know, you need water for everything. Anyways, it just, whatever, they just cut them off. They cut those suckers off. Water, money, absolutely everything. And so I didn't know that. But basically, so Russia's like, we want these two chunks. And Ukraine is like, you can have them, but they're going to be shitty deserts. Basically, they're going to be no man's lands. They're going to be uninhabitable because we control the water and other stuff. Like I was trying to look up a word for starve that goes with water, there is no word, there is no word, we'll just say starve includes water. But basically, Ukraine is like, we're gonna starve you guys, what are you gonna do about it? -er, Nanner nanner nanner. Well, and so, uh, Russia's like, I'll show you what we're gonna do about it, we're gonna attack your ass. And also, as a reminder, all the oil and natural gas, you know, Ukraine is full of oil and natural gas, But it's all in the Donbass and Crimea. So Russia's like, you know, not only are they taken back like their childhood beach resort and taken back, you know, a part where a bunch of Russians live, but they're also taking the place where all the oil and natural gas is, all the money. I guess quickly also, so Europe is trying to figure out if they're going to stop buying Russian oil because Europe is sending tons and tons of money to Russia paying for this war and they're trying to decide if they want to stop they said they've said uh, at the end of the year they're going to stop paying for this war. And America is getting ready to send over um missile trucks. I think they're called MERS, whatever that stands for. But basically it's just a big military looking truck thing that has a whatever, has missiles on the back of it and it can shoot tons of missiles. And Ukraine has been asking for better weapons. I guess this is kind of what they want. Like I think right now Russia has guns that shoot 30 miles. Ukraine has guns that shoot 20 miles. You know, so if your gun shoots farther than the other guy, you get the idea. And so these missiles that we're going to be sent, we're going to be sending over these missile trucks, they can shoot 50 miles. So then, oh, we can we can stand back and shoot your ass. But in fact, these missile trucks, you can put missiles on them that shoot 250 miles. Like you could be you could be shooting Russia. You could be shooting cities inside of Russia, just completely destroying them if we gave them the missile truck with the big, the the longer range missile, but we're only going to give them the shorter range missile. I mean, it's all kind of silly, but they're like, we're going to give you the 50 mile range missile trucks and don't shoot any missiles into Russia, please. And so we'll have to see how that goes because you don't just, you know, like if I, you, you dear listener, if I gave you one of these missile trucks and I said, go shoot something like you wouldn't know what the hell to do. It'd be like, do you know how to drive a stick? And you'd be like, no, I've only ever driven automatic, right? Oh my, and you're like, oh God, this is gonna take forever. And so the estimate is is it takes about a month. Like, you know, if you're if someone's training the hell out of your ass, it takes about a month to learn how to use these missile trucks. And you know, so basically, so Russia doesn't have to worry about those for the next month. I mean, we'll see. And again, all the good soldiers are whatever. They're fighting Russia in the East and they may be about to be encircled and prisoner award and whatever so you know you know are these missile trucks going to be the the thing that just totally makes uh, Ukraine start winning uh, I mean it's not anytime soon maybe at some point in the future but not anytime soon and the mainstream media has been telling the truth a little bit more on this subject like this entire time any report that you got from you know if you read the New York Times or watched NBC or whatever all of their information was coming from the communications division of the Ukraine army or something like that. Like, you know, every every newspaper, every TV station or network sent reporters over to Ukraine. And then the Ukraine army put all those people into one building. <laughs> and then each day the Ukraine army would give them a report of what's going on. And then that's what they would report back to you, dear viewer of, you know, MSNBC and it looks like the ukraine military cannot be trusted you know to uh tell the truth it's just a bunch of propaganda and so so basically the yeah mainstream media in america has just been feeding you the exact propaganda that the ukraine military wants to feed you but now they're starting to change i think some of them are like you know what i don't want my reporter just stuck in this one building you have to let you have to let them go out to the front lines and see with their own eyes what the hell's going on and so i think Whatever, three months. I mean, you know, it shouldn't take three months for uh, media outlets to try and actually figure out the truth as we're sending over billions and billions of dollars of weapons. But so in, in any case, uh, that's pretty much the state there. Hopefully we'll start getting some better reporting. And then I was watching a real-life lore uh, YouTube video they made, and it was about uh, Russia and oil. And so I'll just throw in some interesting facts here. So first off, in the 70s, Russia was the biggest producer of oil in the world. Like, I don't know about the 60s, maybe then too. But I always kind of wondered, you know, like, America is amazing, right? We got, we got cities, we got factories, we got universities, we got all this stuff that Russia doesn't have. They're just a backwards piece of crap country. How is it that, you know, it was the Cold War and, like, it was, it was neck and neck and toe to toe. How did that happen? The answer is the whole time, the whole time the Cold War was going on, um, Russia was selling oil to the whole world, making a ton of money, and that's just, that's it. Like, they were a piece of crap country that wouldn't, wouldn't have been nothing, except they had a fuckload of money from selling oil, like, the whole time. And then in 1986, the price of oil crashed, and that's what broke up the USSR. They didn't have enough money to, you know, to keep together their little empire. And so, like, I don't know a ton about these things, but, like, Russia's been doing little wars against former Soviet Union countries or whatever, USSR countries, ever since the breakup. And I talked about Chechnya the other day, where Russia won. They won that one. Uh, There's the Georgia War, Russian-Georgia War, maybe, I think, 14 years ago. And I, I can't even remember. I think they did a couple other little wars. But basically, Russia is the big country there, and they like to fight their little former countries and pretty much every time it's the same reason it's oil money and so there's a couple ways to make money with oil one of them is you know you get oil out of the ground it's like money shooting out of the ground hitting you in the face the other way is transport transporting the oil in pipelines like basically they can't do it by the ocean very good over there because they got whatever they got a lot of snow they got too much snow and ice and you can't use a lot of the ocean over there so they do—they do, they do uh, on land pipelines. Like for instance, Russia's been pissed off at Ukraine ever since '91, because Russia's pipelines go through Ukraine, and Ukraine is like, "Oh, we're gonna charge you money for every barrel of oil that flows through the pipelines." And that's why Russia's been trying to build pipelines that go through the ocean to get to Europe, because basically, Russia has the oil, Europe buys the oil, Europe has the money. And so, for instance, some of the former USSR countries that broke off are the Stans, like Kazakhstan, uh, Uzbekistan, this stand, rhymes with Iran. And they got a bunch of oil, but they're landlocked. And so they need to come up with like pipelines that get the oil over to Europe where they can sell it. And so Russia does not like competition. So one thing is, Russia—you know Russia wants to own all the oil wells or whatever. But they also do not want the countries next to them selling oil to Europe and undercutting their prices. And so like the various stand countries, they were going to send all their oil to Europe through the country of Georgia, right? The former USSR country, Georgia. Not the state of Georgia. Must be named after some King George. But so anyways, Russia attacked Georgia. It's like, no, you ain't sending oil through here without... Whatever. Without, without a, us getting either a piece of the pie or, you know, cutting you off. well, yeah, And I'm, I'm already starting to say more than I know because I haven't looked into the Georgia War much. But anyways, that's what's going on. There's Russia has two reasons to attack countries. Okay, here's another thing. So, you know, Russia has an excuse. Russia always has an excuse to attack a country if they want. And that's because they put Russians, they call them ethnic Russians, I, I'm not sure what that is, just Russians... They put Russians in all the former USSR countries. So if they ever feel like attacking a country, they just go, oh, we're just going there to protect the Russians who live in that country. You know, which is a pretty good excuse. It's better, you know, it wasn't like Iraq had a bunch of Americans living there and we went to Iraq to protect the Americans. So it doesn't make anything justified. Putin, you know, I already said it Russia bad, Ukraine good, 80s music good, new music bad. But in any case, so, Russia's been doing a lot of wars. I, I didn't realize all the wars Russia's uh, <laughs> been doing. Um, and every one of them is either, like, to take over some oil or to stop people from building a pipeline and undercutting them and sales to Europe, etc. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.